This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the 18th day of January 2021. Appreciate a little bit of your time this morning as uh, we work our way around the sports world and uh, talk about, well, we're going to start talking about the NFL, of course, the game that everybody wanted to see. The quarterback matchup, the two aged men taking on each other yesterday. And this turned out to be more about the defense and the mistakes than it did the two starting quarterbacks. Neither Brady nor Drew Brees uh, were exactly what you would call stellar yesterday. Uh, But they did enough. You know, the difference in this game – Turnovers. Uh, Drew Brees with three picks. A big fumble uh, by Jared Cook, the tight end for the Saints. And the ability for Tom Brady to take advantage of it. You can't give Tom Brady those kinds of opportunities and expect to win games. And this is the first time that a team has turned around a season series, having lost both games during the regular season. The Bucks are the first team since the Giants did it to the Cowboys back in 2007, I believe. You know, everybody thought, well, you, you know, the, the, the prevailing wisdom was, well, it's hard to beat a team three times, except you looked at the numbers, and overall, uh, it's not. You know, the majority of the time, a vast majority of the time, the team that won the regular season series wins the playoff matchup. Well, not yesterday. Um, look, the Saints probably, well, you know, the Saints could have won this game. I'm not going to say they should have won this game, but um, Drew Brees was, if this was Drew Brees' last game, and, and I hope it's not, because I think he's still, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, you could say, well, he looked his age yesterday. And he did not play well, but um, he still had a pretty good regular season, folks. And he's, you know, look, um, is he better than Taysom Hill? Yep. You know, is he better than Jameis Winston? I think so. You know, and you look at yesterday and the Jameis Winston – Threw a, threw a uh, trick play. They threw a pass, 56-yard bomb, his first touchdown pass in Saints history, or his Saints career, I should say. You got to think that he enjoyed the hell out of that, throwing it against his former team. And the Saints had the lead in this game in the third quarter. Drew Brees with the touchdown pass with about nine and a half minutes to go in the third, and the Saints had 
the lead. But Tom Brady, look, you just can't you can't count this guy out. He's got a chance now for his to get to the Super Bowl for the tenth time. Think about that. You know, and a chance to win his seventh ring. Now, do I think that they will? No. No, I think they're gonna they're running up against a buzzsaw next week in the Green Bay Packers. They are going to have a hard time. Look, to be honest, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to stink next week, I think, for the Bucks to win that game. Perhaps I'm wrong, but, you know, you got to hand it yesterday to that Tampa Bay defense. The fact that they put that team in a position to win. But look at look at Brady's numbers. He was 18 for 33, 199 yards, a couple of touchdowns. But he didn't throw any interceptions, which he did in both games in the regular season. He only took one sack. Um, and Fournette and Jones both ran the ball well. They combined to run the ball for 125 yards. And Alvin Kamara, you know, look, he had – over 100 yards from scrimmage, but he really wasn't a factor in this game. He really wasn't. You know, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, big parts of this offense, you know, but Breeze just wasn't sharp. He, you know, it just, that simple. Now, Breeze is under contract for another year. Everybody says it's a foregone conclusion the guy's going to retire. And he has hinted at it. There's no question. He didn't say anything at the end of the game yesterday. Didn't confirm nor deny. You know, look, if you're if you're Drew Brees, you have nothing left to prove. You took a pretty good shot this year that cost you some games. You're going to the Hall of Fame regardless of what happens if you play or you don't play next year. So it's just going to have to be, I think, a a month of soul searching and, you know, deciding whether his body wants to go through that another year. And, I, you know, you can't blame him if he doesn't. We know Tom Brady's coming back. Even Rob Gronkowski said that uh, he's planning on playing in 2021. He said that on the NFL Network this weekend. So we know he's back for the for the Bucks. You know, and now then if – if Breeze does decide to make the decision, and I'm sure they're going to want him to make it sooner rather than later so that they know, you know, going in to the draft what the situation is. Because if you're the Saints, you then have to decide, is Jameis Winston going to be our guy? Is Taysom Hill going to be our guy? Or do we need to get a quarterback in this draft? But congratulations to Tampa. And, you know, I, I didn't think they'd win this game. I honestly didn't. I'm happy for Tom Brady. And it's it's so funny. I saw a couple of things on Twitter this weekend. They're like, you know, I really don't care who, you know, what happens with the games this weekend other than I hope Tom Brady loses. And I have, you know, and, but a lot of New England fans, of course, we're all rooting for Tom Brady. There are still, a, there's a number of people that are still angry that he left. I get it. You know, but. What did he have left to prove in New England? And can you blame him for wanting to go play in the warm weather? 
at 43 years of age? I can't. You know, and look, you know, maybe the the relationship and, you know, you... I got to be careful. You know, you don't want to say it's like, you know, you're 20 years into a marriage and you decide, well, you know, maybe this isn't the right partner for me. And, you know, maybe maybe that was a piece of it. You know, maybe it was just that Tom was like, OK, you know, I'm tired of listening to Bill Belichick. And I just I just need a change of scenery. But my my love for the game isn't gone. So I don't I don't begrudge him that I really don't. You know, and New England Patriot fans shouldn't either. I mean, he took less money so many years than he could have gotten with other teams simply to help the New England Patriots out. So if he wanted to leave, that was within his right, and and God love him. And there are other people that are just Brady haters and they're Patriot haters, and so they just, you know, haters are going to hate. That's all, it's all, that's all that is. But anybody who wanted to say that it was all about Bill Belichick and it was all about that was why you know, Brady had all that success, yada, yada, yada. You know, Tom Brady has proven that I'm 43 years old and I can take a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for a long time and look what I can do. That's why he is the GOAT. And for those of you that are the Tom Brady haters, you know, you should embrace watching this guy play at this age. We are seeing something special. We have never seen a guy play at this high a level, this late in his career. We've never seen that. We may never see that again. I know, you know, guys are playing later into their careers than they used to. Some of that is because the quarterbacks are protected more than they used to be. Although, you know, tell that to Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes after this weekend, but that's another story. But we should be embracing watching Tom Brady, whether you liked the Patriots or not. You know, that would be, I was thinking about this, the person that said they want Tom Brady to lose and they hate Tom Brady, that's the same kind of person that if they had a chance to see Babe Ruth play, the greatest baseball player in the history of the game, I don't care what anybody says, what Babe Ruth did, you look. I don't care, you could say whatever you want about Ken Griffey Jr., anybody else, what Babe Ruth did, he was the greatest baseball player in history, period, period. And those are the same people that hate Tom Brady that would look at Babe Ruth and say, ah, he stinks. He's terrible. Look, I didn't like – there's a lot of baseball play, players or a lot of baseball teams that I didn't like. But you had to appreciate greatness in somebody's career. You know, uh, I was not a fan of Pete Rose. But you had to appreciate what he did on the field. I was not, um, you know, a fan of, uh, of the – Seattle Mariners or the Cincinnati Reds, but you had to appreciate the greatness of Ken Griffey Jr. I hate the New York Yankees with a passion, but I respected the hell out of a player like Derek Jeter. You just have to appreciate the fact that you have the opportunity to see somebody that transcends the game in a lot of ways, and that's what Tom Brady has been. So... uh you know, Tom wasn't great yesterday, but he was good enough. He didn't make mistakes. Drew Brees did. It was as simple as that. That's what the game boiled down to. I mean, it, it, the rest of it, you look at it, and look, the Saints uh, actually had more total yards. If you look at the, the yardage numbers, the defenses were the story. I mean, the Saints didn't even have 300 yards of offense. 
Tampa barely had 300 yards of offense. Neither team covered themselves in glory offensively in this game. But the Patriots took advantage of all the turnovers. Four Saints turnovers, and that's that's all you need to know about this game. You know, and look, I you know I have friends that are Tampa Bay Bucks fans, and I'm I'm happy for you that you got to the NFL championship game. But you're going up against the NFL MVP in my mind this coming week. Good luck. You know, and uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't do anything this past weekend that would make you think that uh, uh, there's a chink in the armor. So uh, it's great that they got there. And I still am not counting Tom Brady out. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't think that the Bucks can win this game, but I have a hard time. I would have a hard time ever if, if my life was on the line. I'd have a hard time betting against Tom Brady. So, and, you know, you look at yesterday as well, as far as the Bucks go, and, you know, Brady has all these great receiving options. They were invisible yesterday. Think about that. They won this game. Mike Evans caught one pass for three yards. Antonio Brown caught one pass for 10 yards. Rob Gronkowski caught one pass for 14 yards. Chris Godwin had 34 yards of receiving. His top two receivers yesterday uh, were, were the backup tight end, Brait and, and Leonard Fournette, the running back. So think about that. I mean, that's the one thing if you are a Bucks fan, you hang your, you know, your hopes on is that maybe against that Green Bay defense, and the, their defense is not as good as the Saints, you know, maybe – you have a better opportunity, and some of those big play receivers can make some plays next week, and you know, give give you a chance. If the Bucks are going to win that game next week, it's going to be a shootout, and Tom Brady's going to have to win that game forty-two to forty. Could happen with all the weapons weapons he's got that were invisible yesterday. So, if you are a Tampa fan, I guess that's where you hang your hopes. But Brady is still alive. Um, the other game yesterday, and this is, you know, this is the one that uh, I said with when we were talking to Dan Zampano on Friday, I said, you know, if I was looking for an upset this week, the, the upset would be the Browns beating the Chiefs. Now, it was a close game, and the Browns had an opportunity late, but they ended up punting with about four minutes to go, never got the ball back. And they had a golden chance when, you know, Kansas City's got to finish that game with their backup quarterback because Patrick Mahomes suffered a concussion. And so, you know, as soon as that happened, I'm like, uh-oh. But I don't think even the most ardent Chiefs fan could not have anticipated Chad Henney six for eight off the bench for 66 yards and making two huge plays at the end of this game. They had a, a third and, what, 14? And he takes off on a scramble and comes up just short of the first down. And then on a fourth down and less than a yard, 
Andy Reid shows some huge onions and calls, gets his quarterback in the shotgun, and they throw a pass on fourth and less than a yard. That takes some guts, ladies and gentlemen, especially with a 35-year-old backup quarterback in Chad Henney in the game, and you still make that call. And Henney gets it done. Andy Reid, you know, I saw I saw something somebody made a comment yesterday, and you know, Andy Reid might be, you know, you can talk about what Bill Belichick has done in his career, and you could talk about all the great coaches, but you know, you look at some of the stuff that Andy Reid has done in his career. He has a history of taking teams that stink and making them better in a hurry. And making some huge calls on the sideline. He may be one of the greatest coaches in our history. And I think that he is overlooked a lot because there's other sexy names out there. I think Andy Reid sometimes gets overlooked in the conversation about some of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. I think he's right up there. You know, and and I was concerned about Rust with the Chiefs yesterday. There wasn't a lot of rust. At least not in Patrick Mahomes. Think about this. I mean, he started the he starts the game what, 11 for his first 12? This looked like it was going to be a blowout. They're up 16 to 3 with 3 minutes to go in the second quarter. Now, Cleveland had an opportunity to make this very very interesting before the half. But then a fumble that goes out of bounds through the end zone ends up getting called a touchback. So Cleveland goes from being on the doorstep to making this a 16-10 to 10 game going into the half. But the Richard Higgins fumble... Turns it into nothing. Kansas City goes down the other end. They get a field goal from Harrison Butker with about two seconds left. They've got a 16-point lead. You know, there was no rust. You know, Patrick Mahomes hadn't played in 21 days. He finished 21 for 30 for 255 and a touchdown, and he ran for another touchdown before leaving the game. You know, so there was no rust. Now the only the, the fear, if you're a Chiefs fan, is will he be able to play next week? It sounds like he's going to be fine. I mean, he was uh, uh, with it enough to tweet out at the end of the game a hashtag on Twitter that said, anything is possible. Andy Reid, when he talked to the media after the game, said he seems fine right now. Um, you know, he, you know, we'll see what happens during the week, but if you're a betting man, Patrick Mahomes is playing. I mean, he wasn't knocked unconscious. He was, he was woozy. I mean, he had to be helped up. He almost, uh, his legs almost buckled underneath him. So obviously he was, he got his bell rung, but you have to think with a week to go, you know, they're just going to put him in a bubble and say, you know, uh, and just wait and make sure that the, the swelling's gone down from the concussion and, and he'll probably be good to go. Better hope so. <laughs> you better hope so if you're a Chiefs fan.
You know, Chad Henney did a great job. And and by the way, you know, Chad Henney, when he came in, uh, threw an interception. And when he threw that interception, and he just, when I'm talking through it, he just threw that thing into the middle of the end zone, and it was an easy interception. It was like, uh, you know, going back for a fair catch on a punt. And I was, I when I was like, oh, here we go. And I really expected that was going to be the thing that put uh, Cleveland over the top, and they were going to win this thing. But no, no. And give the Chiefs' defense a lot of credit. You know, uh, the Browns had an opportunity, but when they had to punt and they couldn't get the ball back. That was the end of that. And, and Baker Mayfield, you know, didn't have his best game. Cleveland did run the ball well. The problem was is that when you get behind 19-3, to the run isn't as much of an option as you might like. They threw the ball 37 times, and they ran it 22, and three of those were Baker Mayfield for 11 yards. Nick Chubb ran the ball well, averaged over five yards a carry. Kareem Hunt, same thing, over five yards a carry. The problem was you were constantly playing from behind, so you had to throw the football. Kind of took Cleveland out of its game a little bit. you know. And if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt, is this game 22-17 at the end? Probably not. But if you're a, a Chiefs fan, you can't ask any more out of a backup quarterback in Chad Henney than you got. I mean, he made the mistake on the interception, but, you know, that was a huge play on third down and 14. I mean, Chad Henney isn't a guy exactly known to be a speed merchant out of the backfield when he's scrambling, yet he went on the gallop to try to get that first down and dove head first. He gave himself up, and if you're a Chiefs fan too, that's one of those where you got to hold your breath going, holy God, he's our backup quarterback. If he gets hurt too, diving for this first down, then what? But he sacrificed his body and got him close enough where Andy Reid could make that gutsy call and they pick up the first down, game over. So uh, now next week, It'll be, hopefully, Mahomes against Josh Allen as the Buffalo Bills beat the Ravens easily, 17-3. to This game, much lower scoring than I expected. Uh, Lamar Jackson has to leave the game with a concussion. This, you know, the, he was the first of the two concussions over the weekend, and when he went out, you knew the game was over. But... You know, and, and it was a, a tough way to finish the season for the Ravens. I mean, they had won their last five games to get themselves in. But you knew when, and they just, that Buffalo defense, you know, all season it's been all about Josh Allen and this Buffalo offense. But yesterday it was about the defense as they just stifled Baltimore when they needed to you know the 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 Buffalo offense wasn't very good yesterday either but you expected the Baltimore defense to play well Buffalo couldn't run the ball at all 
Buffalo only had 220 yards of offense. But they got some huge plays on defense when they needed them. And when Lamar Jackson went out of the game, you knew it was over. So next week now, we'll hopefully have Mahomes and Allen in a shootout, which should be a hell of a lot of fun. We got one more game to talk about, and that's uh, with the, well, in my mind, the MVP of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers with a win on Saturday. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Um, so I referenced uh, the Green Bay Packers game, a solid 32-18 to 18 victory uh, over the Los Angeles Rams on Saturday. Aaron Rodgers throws for 296 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he ran for another one, uh, and uh, Green Bay wins this one. Jared Goff played much better for the Rams. You know, look, the Rams were game, but that's just too much offense by the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers is unstoppable. 484 yards of offense for the Packers. So not only not only do you have uh, Aaron Rodgers doing his thing, uh, they're running the ball all over the Rams. Aaron Jones ran for 99 yards, 14 carries, 99 yards, 7.1 yards a carry. Uh, Williams added another 65 yards on 12 carries, and this was just a dominating offensive performance. The Rams with 244 yards of offense. Uh, again, you know, Goff was looked much better this week than he did last week, um, but uh, just too much Aaron Rodgers. By the way, Aaron Rodgers ran for a touchdown. This was This was amazing to me. That touchdown run by Aaron Rodgers – on Saturday was the first uh, touchdown run by a Packers quarterback in a playoff game at Lambeau Field since Bart Starr did it against Dallas in the Ice Bowl in 1967. It's a lot of playoff games for the Packers at Lambeau Field between 1967 and yesterday, and no no Packer quarterback had ever run for a touchdown since, since Bart Starr. So... Uh, yeah, small crowd didn't matter. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is just thrilled to be able to finish this thing up at home. And now you are going to bring a warm weather team to Lambeau field in green Bay next week. Good luck. You know, and that's what I said. I mean, if, if they're going to win it, if, if, if Tampa's got a shot, they got to hope that it is not the weather is conducive, that it's not snowing and that, uh, you know, Brady can do his thing and the receivers for Tampa can, you know, create some space in the secondary. That's the only chance they have. It has to be a shootout win or Aaron Rodgers has to stink. Uh, I believe the Packers are a four-point favorite in the early line. You know, I, I would take that right now. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would take that absolutely right now. So, uh, other NFL news. The Los Angeles Chargers have a new head coach. They signed uh, Brian Staley, the defensive coordinator from the Rams. They interviewed him the day after. They interviewed him yesterday, the day after the Rams' loss. 
Um, and uh, it was his second interview. And uh, so the 38-year-old Staley is the new head coach for the Chargers. It is his first, obviously his first NFL head coaching job. He's only been an NFL assistant for four years. He was with the Rams this year, but he had been a linebacker's coach with the Bears uh, in the Denver Broncos. So he is the third assistant coach under Sean McVay, by the way, to get an NFL coaching job along with uh, Matt LaFleur and uh, Zach Taylor from Cincinnati. Uh, he was one of the six people that was interviewed by the Chargers, and uh, so Staley will be the new head coach. And look, those char- the Chargers have a lot of talent. You know, and uh, with a better head coach this year, better game management, better clock management, they probably, uh, I don't know if they're, they're not, maybe not a playoff team, but they probably win at least two more games than they did, maybe three. You know, they might have been in, in the mix. Who knows? Uh, but Anthony Lynn was just horrible. And uh, so Staley gets the job in Los Angeles. So there's only two head coaching jobs left in the NFL uh, right now. That is the Eagles and the Houston Texans. The Eagles yesterday interviewed Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. McDaniels is a guy who was offered a job, accepted a job as a head coach, and then uh, changed his mind uh, to stay with Bill Belichick. Um Supposedly interviewed from uh, mid-morning yesterday until past 9 o'clock last night. You know, if you're the Eagles, that might be a, uh, a safe choice. They've also interviewed Gerard Mayo, another Patriot assistant. They've interviewed uh, Todd Bowles, Deuce Staley. Uh, but uh, I would not be shocked if Josh McDaniels lands that job in Philadelphia. And as far as Houston goes, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of people that want to be an NFL head coach, so I'm not going to say it's not a job somebody would want because there are people that will take that job, but that's a job that right now you've got to be a little bit nervous about. You've got a disgruntled quarterback in Deshaun Watson who's pissed off that he wasn't involved in the search for the new GM and wants a say in the head coach, and you know that's got to be a very, very difficult thing if you're interviewing for that job, knowing that you've got to win over Deshaun Watson in a hurry or he's going to be looking to get out of town. So uh, so right now, those are the only two jobs left after Staley signs with the uh, Chargers uh, after the interview yesterday. All right, so that's it for the NFL. Uh, we've got basketball today, college basketball here in the state of Connecticut at Gamble Pavilion. Game time, 2.30 in the afternoon on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They will play against St. John's. It is the first time they are playing their old Big East rival since 2013. The last time they played um, was, uh, I believe, when uh, before UConn left for the American Conference and uh, it was at Madison Square Garden, and they lost to St. John's 71-65. So a lot of people excited about this. Unfortunately, uh, it's at Gamble, but there'll be no fans. Uh, but uh, UConn fans are pretty excited about this one. St. John's 7-7 seven and seven overall. They are 2-6 and six in the Big East. You look at UConn 7-1, 4-1 and one in the conference, and you look at those numbers and you go, well, this should be an easy UConn victory, except we know that UConn is going to be playing without book night and you know look they've done well since book night got hurt with that hyper extended left elbow now he's had surgery he is out for at least two weeks 
they are going to need R.J. Cole and Jalen Adams and uh, uh, Gaffney to step up, or Brendan Adams, I'm sorry, and uh, and Jalen Gaffney to step up if they are going to beat this St. John's team. They're not just going to roll over and die. This St. John's team plays really good defense. Uh, they are one of the best teams stealing the basketball in the country. They're averaging over 10 steals a game. Uh, so UConn is going to uh, to have to play better uh, they did it in their la- than they did in their last game. It was still a victory the last time out, but you know UConn has to play better. They've got to get more uh, from guys like Cole. Uh, the other thing that UConn has going for him, uh, Acook Acook is back working his way into that UConn rotation. He is going to help out tremendously on defense. He is going to allow uh, the UConn guards to extend more on defense, pressure the ball more out on the perimeter, uh, and perhaps in that way, even if you get beat off the dribble, you've got a guy like Acook back there that can block any shot. And so that is going to give the UConn defense a, uh, a bit of a boost uh, with his return. Um, pro basketball yesterday, and this was a shock. I did not expect him back this quickly. Kemba Walker made his return for the Boston Celtics yesterday. Uh, he had missed uh, the first 10 games of the season and uh, came back yesterday and played 20 minutes. He wasn't great. Uh, matter of fact, the Celtics weren't great at all. They got blown out by the Knicks yesterday by 30. 105 to 75. The Celtics had just 35 points at halftime. Yikes. Um, and uh, the, matter of fact, this was by far their lowest scoring game of the season. Their previous low had been 93. They scored 75 points yesterday. Uh, Now, you know, look, they didn't have Jason Tatum still out with the COVID-19 issues. Jalen Brown, 25 points yesterday. And uh, Walker, nine points, shot just three of 13, one of eight from three. Um, He had four rebounds and three steals, but he turned the ball over five times. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of rust there. Uh, Left the game with a bit of a uh, rib injury in the third quarter, didn't come back, but he had already played 20 minutes, which which they said was going to be his limit uh, for this game. So that's not necessarily, you know, don't read much into that. Brad Stevens at the end of the game said he basically just got the wind knocked out of him, but since he'd already reached his his point or his uh, minutes limit, they weren't too concerned about that. But um, not not a great performance by the uh, Celtics yesterday. Uh, they hope to have Jason Tatum back uh, next week. But, you know, uh, he hasn't played since January the 8th. So uh, they hope to have him back, you know, maybe by this coming weekend. But, uh, again, uh, it's all based on the NBA COVID-19 protocols. And as of right now, the Celtics uh, uh, will be without him for at least two more games. That's the way it looks. So, and, and, you know, you look at the box score yesterday, and it just – it was a disaster. Marcus Smart shot four for 15. And, you know, Kemba Walker, as I said, three for 13. Nobody shot the ball well yesterday. Nobody, unless you count Daniel Tice – who was three for four in 20 minutes, and I don't. So <laughs> just a just that's just one of those games. You're going to have them. You you flip it. You turn the page, and you say, well, you know, you you know, we just got to make sure we don't repeat that performance. 
It's uh, 42 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk some baseball as we wind things down here on a Monday morning. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 45 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. While we were uh, on our commercial break, I was checking my email, and uh, uh, I got an email and basically saying, you know, I wasn't giving Tom Brady enough credit for that uh, Tampa victory yesterday, you know, pointing out that he had several balls dropped uh, and that his, you know, his numbers could have been even better if those passes had been caught. All right, I'll give you that. There were, I guess, you know, maybe th- probably three drops, but there were also a lot of passes. Like, you know, there was a pass that he tried to throw to uh, Gronkowski in the end zone that he tried to, you know, thread the needle with that was knocked away. Yet he had a guy, I think it was Fournette, was uh, out on the flat that was wide open. It could have been an easy touchdown. Uh, there were a couple of times I thought Brady tried to uh, complete passes that were low, uh, low percentage. But yeah, there were you know there were probably two or three passes in that game. I'll give you that. You know I think it was Mike Evans may have might have been one that dropped one. Antonio Brown dropped one that he should have had. So yeah, I'll give you that. You know maybe he could have had a you know a couple three more completions. But at the end of the day, uh, this the, that that game with Tampa was all about turnovers and, and Drew Brees and the and the ability of Tom Brady to take advantage. He didn't have to necessarily be great yesterday because of the mistakes that the Saints made. So, but yeah, no, I'll give you that. He, uh, there, there definitely were um, a few drop passes, but uh, uh, again, that was not, I, I wouldn't say that was vintage Tom Brady, but uh, that was, <laughs> he, he was good enough, you know, and, uh, and, and frankly, at 43 years of age, maybe you could say, you know, that was incredible, Tom Brady. Uh, but, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll give you that, a couple of drop passes. But, all right, uh, let's get to baseball. Um, there was a lot of money flying around over the weekend in Major League Baseball. Uh, if you're a Red Sox fan, unfortunately, it wasn't coming your way uh, or uh, leaving your your organization to hire some big-name free agents. But uh, um, there were a lot of arbitration deals over the weekend uh, or deals made to avoid arbitration. Uh, Francisco Lindor ends up with $22.3 million. So he gets acquired by the Mets and then gets a huge contract uh, to avoid arbitration. That is, by the way, that is the fourth largest contract for an arbitration-eligible player, a one-year contract. Uh, The only players who ever had higher numbers for one year in a deal like that are Mookie Betts, who got 27 mil from Boston last year, Uh, Nolan Arenado, who got $26 million with Colorado back in 2019, and Josh Donaldson, who got $23 million from Toronto back in 2018. So uh, a lot of money there. By the way, I, was, I just saw Mookie Betts' name. You know, think about this. Mookie, Mookie Betts leaves. The uh, Dodgers win the, the World Series. Uh, Tom Brady leaves New England, and uh, now he's in the NFC Championship game. And I saw somebody say, well, Zdeno Chara has gone down to the Capitals. You know, it might be a good time to place a bet that the Capitals are going to make a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Oh, uh, uh, other money uh, that uh, went out this week: and Chris Bryant agreed to a nineteen point five million dollar contract with the Chicago Cubs. It's his last year um, of arbitration. He becomes a free agent after the season. Um, if you remember, Bryant's a guy that uh, filed a grievance against the uh, the Cubs last year trying to say that they manipulated his service time because he could have been a free agent 
now uh, he fell one day short of eligibility at the end of the 2020 season. And there is no doubt, by the way, this was talked about when the Cubs did it in his rookie season. They waited to bring him up so that there was no way so that they could have that extra year of control. How they how he lost that – well, I mean, how he lost the grievances is that the, the Cubs didn't break any rules. They just weren't very kind. They did – exactly what they needed to do to get that extra year of control, but they didn't break a rule. So that's why he didn't win it. But it's kind of it's kind of messed up when you think about it. Uh, other big deals that happened over the weekend, the Dodgers had to shell out a bunch of money. Uh, they agreed to a one-year deal with Cody Bellinger uh, and $13.75 million uh, with World Series MVP uh, Kyle Seeger. So, or Corey Seager, I'm sorry, Kyle Seager plays for Seattle. Uh, so Corey Seager gets uh, 13 and three quarter, and uh, Cody Bellinger 16 million. So it's a 30 million dollars that the Dodgers shelled out this weekend. Trey Turner gets 13 mil from Washington. Uh, Javier Baez signed for 11.6, and Aaron Judge got uh, 10.1. Um, and uh, Juan Soto, who is, was eligible for arbitration for the first time, agreed to a contract for uh, $8 bucks. So we still have a few uh, cases that are going to go to arbitration, uh, the most prominent of which is Carlos Correa for Houston. Uh, he has asked for $12.5 million. And the Astros offered nine point seven five. Now, Correa made... Uh, eight million bucks last year. So he asked for a fairly substantial raise. And uh, Correa is a guy that when he first came up, everybody was ready to put him in the Hall of Fame. Now, last year he made eight million bucks off of a previous year when he had hit 279. His numbers dropped last year. Now I get it. I know it was it was only 60 game season, but last year he hit 264. He only had five home runs and 25 runs batted in. The previous year in 75 games, all right, he played 58 last year. In 75 games the year before, he hit 21 home runs and 59 runs batted in. So in 17 more games, he hit 16 more homers and drove in 34 more runs. Now you tell me how you deserve a $4 million raise when your numbers dropped that much. You know, he asked for a $4.5 million raise when his numbers dropped off that much from year to year. The Astros offered him a $1.75 million raise. That's more than fair, in my opinion. I will be shocked if Correa wins that arbitration case. Absolutely shocked. Um, the only other cases of note, uh, Dansby Swanson has asked for $6.75 million. Uh, the Braves offered $6 million. I'm surprised they didn't find a way to meet in the middle there. But uh, And then Mike Soroka uh, has asked for two point eight. He was offered two point one. million, uh, you know. Again, that's one of those where it's, you know, it's a lot to you and me. For these guys, uh, it's chump change. Uh, there was a little money that exchanged hands with with Boston over the weekend uh, when news came down that the Red Sox had re-signed Martin Perez 
Um, now, the Red Sox declined. He had an option for $6.25 million on his contract from last year. The Red Sox declined it. Well, they have now re-signed him for $4.5 million. So they saved uh, a bit of money there. And the new contract will include a $6 million option uh, with a $500,000 buyout for the following year. Now, he wanted to stay in Boston. He made that known right away. And he is the only guy, by the way, for the Red Sox in that strange year last year to take the ball every fifth day. He made 12 starts last year. He's the only guy in the Red Sox rotation that did that. So from that standpoint, and he wasn't, look, he wasn't horrible. He was what he was. He uh, pitched to an ERA of four and a half. He's going to be their, you know, fourth or fifth starter. And, you know, he gives them a guy that can fill innings. So I, I think this is a good signing. You know, a lot of people, and I was one of them, wanted the Red Sox to sign Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber goes to, of course, the New York Yankees on a one-year, $11 million deal. Now, word is is that he was actually offered more money by other teams, but the other contracts were one year with an option, and he wanted a one-year clean contract. There is no option on this $11 million deal he got from the Yankees so that he can, you know, uh, show everybody that he's healthy this coming year and then cash in big the following year. He's, what, 35? So he doesn't have, you know, a lot more time uh, to get a big uh, contract. So, uh, you know, it was disappointing. It's always disappointing <laughs> when the Red Sox lose somebody to the Yankees. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he is indeed as healthy as everybody thinks he is, uh, he's betting on himself on this one-year deal so that he can try to go back out into the market next year and get a bigger deal. I really thought the Sox had a chance at him uh, for the for the simple reason that he lives in Massachusetts. He lives in Winchester, Massachusetts, not that far from Fenway Park, uh, because his you know I think his wife's family is from there. You know, so I was kind of hoping that that he'd be uh, wanting to maybe stay close to Boston or you know stay in Massachusetts and be able to basically play at home, but. Uh, he uh, elects to play for the evil empire instead. Uh, one other quick note before we get out of here. Kevin Na picks up a victory yesterday. Uh, it's a fourth straight year that he has uh, won a tournament. Uh, he won the Sony Open in Hawaii by one stroke. Uh, he won it over Chris Kirk. Uh, Chris Kirk, great uh, feel-good story. Chris Kirk is a guy that had to step away from the game of golf. He was battling alcoholism. And so he, uh, this was his first tournament in two years. And uh, he, the PGA Tour gave him a limited exemption. And in order to get uh, the full exemption and be a regular tour member, he had to finish in a two-way tie for third to make that happen. He rolled in a birdie putt on the 18th hole that gave him second by himself and guaranteed that he'll have a... Uh, uh, a full exemption for this year and be able to pick his schedule. So uh, great, great that Kevin Na won, but uh, even better for Chris Kirk, a kid that look, you know, a guy. He's very humble, and he said, "Look, I'm not a very interesting guy. I just happen to play golf well, and uh, this was getting the best of me." And uh, so good for him, good for him. That's a great story. That's going to do it for us here tomorrow. Uh, today we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you with some music from Randy Travis this morning. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.